Section 22 of The Toilers of the Sea by Victor Hugo. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, read by John Greenman. Chapter 10 Tales of Long Voyages. Mais Lettieri, for the sake of his own ease, always wore his sea clothes and his tarpaulin overcoat rather than his pilot jacket. This made Derichette's little nose wrinkle. Nothing is so pretty as a pouting beauty. She scolded and laughed. "'Good father!' she cried. "'Phew! You smell of tar!' And she gave him a little tap on his big shoulder. This good old hero of the sea had brought back surprising tales from his voyages. He had seen in Madagascar bird's feathers, three of which sufficed to form the roof of a house. He had seen in India stalks of sorrel nine feet high. He had seen in New Holland flocks of turkeys and geese led and guarded by a shepherd-dog, which is a bird, and which is called the agami. He had seen cemeteries of elephants. In Africa he had seen gorillas, a sort of man-tiger seven feet in height. He knew the ways of all monkeys from the savage baboon, which he called the macaco bravo, to the howling baboon, which he called the macaco barbado. In Chile he had seen a monkey soften the hunters by showing them her little one. In California he had seen the trunk of a hollow tree which had fallen on the ground, in whose interior a man on horseback could ride fifty paces. In Morocco he had seen the Mozabites and the Biscris fight with matraques and bars of iron. The Biscris, because they had been treated as kelb, that is to say as dogs, the Mozabites because of having been treated as Kwamsi, which means people of the fifth sect. In China he had seen the pirate Chanton Kwan Lakroy chopped into little pieces for having assassinated the Ap of a village. At Sudan Mo he had seen a lion carry off an old woman from the midst of a market in a village. He had been present at the arrival of a great serpent coming from Canton to Saigon, to celebrate in the pagoda of Cholen the festival of Kwamnan, goddess of navigators. He had contemplated among the Moy the grand Kwansu. At Rio Janeiro he had seen Brazilian ladies place in their hair little spheres of gauze, each containing a vagalumis, a beautiful phosphorescent fly, so that they had a headdress of stars. He had fought anthills in Uruguay and spiders in Paraguay hairy and as large as a child's head, covering with their claws a diameter of a third of a yard, an attacking man against whom they launch their hairs, which sink into the flesh like darts, and there raise swellings. On the river Arinos, an affluent of the Tocantins, in the virgin forests to the north of the Diamantina, he had verified the existence of the terrible bat people, the Mercalagos, men who are born with white hair and red eyes, dwell in the gloom of the woods, sleep by day, wake by night, and fish and hunt in the dark, seeing better when there is no moon. Near Beirut, in the camp of an expedition of which he was a member, a pluviometer having been stolen from a tent, a sorcerer clad in two or three narrow strips of leather and resembling a man dressed in his suspenders, had rung a bell attached to the tip of a horn so furiously that a hyena had come 
and brought back the pluviometer. This hyena was the thief. These true stories resembled fairy tales so closely that they amused Derichette. The doll of the Durande was the bond between the boat and the girl. In the Norman Isles, the figurehead carved at the prow, a statue of wood almost sculptured, is called the doll. Hence the local position for navigating is to be between poop and poupée doll. The doll of the Durand was particularly dear to Thierry. He had ordered the carver to make it like Deruchette. It bore as little resemblance to her as if it had been done with an axe. It was a log of wood trying to be a pretty girl. This unshapely block was an object of illusion to Thierry. He contemplated it with the faith of a believer. His faith was complete in the presence of this figure. He recognized Deruchette in it perfectly. It is a little the way in which the dogma resembles truth, and the idol deity. Mais Thierry had two great joys every week, one joy on Tuesday, the other on Friday. The first joy consisted in seeing the Durand take her departure, the second joy in seeing her return. He leaned on his elbows at his window, gazed upon his work, and was happy. There is something of this in Genesis. Et vidit quot esset bonum, and he saw that it was good. On Friday the presence of Ms. Lettieri at his window was equivalent to a signal. When people beheld him lighting his pipe at the casement of Les Bravets, they said, Ah, the steamboat is on the horizon! One kind of smoke announced the other. The Durand, on entering port, made her cables fast to a large iron ring under Mes Lettieri's windows fixed in the base of the Bravet. On these nights Lettieri enjoyed an admirable sleep in his hammock, conscious that Deruchette was asleep on one side of him and the Durand anchored on the other. The anchorage of the Durand was close to the bell of the port. There was a small bit of the quay there in front of the Bravet. This quay, the Bravet, the house, the garden, the tiny streets bordered with hedges, the greater part of the surrounding houses even, do not exist at the present day. The trade in Guernsey granite has caused these lands to be sold. This whole place is occupied at the present moment by the sheds of stonecutters. End of chapter 10 Tales of Long Voyages 